You're listening to the Weekly Portland Podcast. For a complete list of episodes, visit pdxpodcast.com or find us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. My name is Gregory Day. You're listening to the Weekly Portland Podcast. And today we have Jim Roberts on the show. Now he's the co-founder of Jim and Patty's Coffee People. No back talk, just good coffee today, folks. Boy, uh, I've been doing this show for almost a year and a half, and this interview was probably the most rewarding of all of them. I don't run any ads on this show. All I ask is that you press like, share, and support the show that way. Now, Jim is obviously very passionate about coffee, but what I wanted to ask him first was how the catchphrase, no backtalk, originated. Actually, in the beginning, I I remember seeing uh, slogans for barbershops that said, four barbers, no waiting. And I just thought, like the rhythm of it. So we had to come up with something with coffee. And it, you know, it turned out to be sort of good that we came up with that because at the time, coffee had a sort of an elitist image among some people. Elitist? Oh, we started back in the uh, early 70s. And people were kind of afraid to walk in and order coffee because they were afraid they wouldn't say it right or they wouldn't order the right thing. Or, and we made it our business to say our coffee was good and we weren't going to give you back talk about how you ordered. I mean, we were, you know, you could feel comfortable. And that's been our, really been our principle the whole forever is that no matter who comes in um, we want you to feel comfortable and it's not certain type of people shop here or a different type of people but uh, you know everybody it's a family business too your sons are involved all our kids all our kids we have three kids and they all work here one function or another they grew up we actually we began by living above our first coffee store and our first couple of kids lived in that store and you know they were babies they were in cribs in that store and the customers would talk to them and the the first few times that they were out in public if they saw a human being they would call them they'd say oh go there goes a customer everybody was a customer uh so they grew up in the coffee business I was an English major. I was a creative writing in the creative writing program at Oregon, MFA, okay. poetry. And uh, I found there weren't, there weren't very many jobs in poetry that year. And I was, uh, I was working in a coffee store in Eugene to try to uh, uh, kind of work our way through school. And as it turned out, that company went out of business, and they had a store in Portland. And so we bought the store in Portland from... Uh, the bankruptcy court for $3,000. Where was that store at? Pardon me? Which store was that? It was called Coffee... Um, it was on Northwest Westover. It had been called Coffee Bean. We changed the B-E to M because it made it cheaper to change the sign. Turned it into Coffee Man. I sold Coffee Man and the owner of it didn't make it. Didn't wor- it worked it for a while and some interesting reasons didn't make it and... Uh, I went to work for uh, a coffee wholesaler for a year or two and eventually started Coffee People in 1983. 83, yeah. okay. 
And uh, and where was that store at? That was on Northwest 23rd. That, okay, I remember yeah, that yeah, store. Well, that store was around for a long, long time. Yeah. Once again, that store, I borrowed $3,000 to start that store. And uh, I don't think I've ever paid it back, actually, but it's a friend of mine. But uh, so it, it, it eventually grew into the... Actually, we had some rough times. But in 1985... Um, we found a morning, a Monday morning came around where we had no money and no coffee beans and no credit. So you basically realize you're out of business. And I went to our supplier, Coffee Bean International was the name of the supplier, and said, I'm done. I give up. I can't. Nothing I can do. I owed them $4,000. They wouldn't give me any more credit for coffee beans. So they said, they thought about it, and they said, well, we'll buy it. We'll buy your coffee people from you. And they offered me (laughs) $4,400. So, okay, I I netted $400, and I was about to leave, and and they said, would you like to, would you like a job running at coffee people? Well, I was out of work, so I took the job, and... uh, with the idea that we could buy back half of coffee people someday, depending, you know, and the price to be determined and so on. So now that coffee people had a little firmer financial, I went to work for them. I, my salary was to be 50% of the profit. There was no profit. So I was working without a salary for a few years. So we borrowed our salary from that company. Um, And we ran a deficit of salary because we weren't making any money. But about three or four years later, due to the fact that they were investing and putting in coffee people stores around Portland, it actually began to make money. And pretty soon I had paid back my salary. And... um, we eventually reached a position where we reached an agreement to buy it back, to buy back half of it, coffee people. And I bought it, oh, about 91. And I bought it back for my half for $1.3 million. Which, you know, I didn't have $1.3 million. But I was able to pay that out of my half of the profits of the company going forward. Including our drive-thrus, we had about 25 stores in Portland in the 90s, yeah. We ended up uh, acquiring a company in Tucson and Phoenix, and we ended, we ended up having a public offering in 1996. Uh, we went public on NASDAQ. Uh, our trading symbol was MOKA, MOKA. Um, the stock didn't, actually did not do real well after we went public. But we used the money from the offering to build stores. And we had stores in the airport. We had stores in, in Denver. In fact, we had seven stores in the Portland airport. Uh, yeah. Different concourses and so forth. But we had stores. In, we had two stores in Chicago. Uh, two stores, I believe, in Denver. Uh, a store in San Diego. A store in L.A. 
store in Eugene. And we ended up with 48 stores out across the nation. We were, the idea was that Starbucks was number one, but there had to be a number two. There had to be somebody who was right behind them. And we wanted to get to markets first. And so that's, our philosophy was to try to open in as many, as many markets as possible. We find that the breakfast is really popular. It's become a big part of our business. And um, we just try to use the best ingredients. We make our own biscuits, of course. Uh, we, you know, we have a bakery where we make all of our baked goods, and we make biscuits there. We have an item called a Pig Newton, Pig Newton, uh, which is a, uh, a buttermilk biscuit with chives and cheddar cheese wrapped around a couple of breakfast sausages that we bake off hot and crispy, and it's super popular. In fact, it's our number one item. Because I mean, coffee people, it really does feel like I come here and it's like everything is perfectly set up for it. And you guys obviously have more than just coffee, but I really love the pastries. I really love the bakery. I really love the food that's coming out of here. Thank it you. goes perfect with that coffee. Oh, thanks. Well, we we wanted to have that. The first day we opened Jim and Patty's, um, I called a bakery to see about getting coffee cake delivered, and I found that they had a $25 minimum, and that was too much for me to afford that day. Uh, so I said, I, I guess I'll make my own coffee cake, and, and that's how it turned out. We, that en- ended up being our business, is making great coffee cake, sour cream coffee cake, and other things. Yeah. So, okay, after the offering, you opened up these stores. It's the 90s. It's headed into 2000. Yeah. And yeah. can you walk us through the, uh, the timeline a bit, a bit further along? Well, just to be what happened was after we had this big expansion, we found that the stores did not ramp up fast enough to be successful. And so they weren't making money. The stores in Chicago and Denver, all around the country, because our name was unknown. And we didn't have the deep enough pockets to keep them going. And so we found at that point that coffee people had to, had to be acquired. We couldn't raise, you can't raise more money if you're not making money. So we were acquired uh, by a company in Canada called Second Cup. And the day we were, the day I voted with the board to be acquired by Second Cup, I was sitting in a sheep pasture in England on a tour bus, and I did it over my cell phone. I voted yes. And at that same day is when I resigned as, as chairman, and uh, the company went on without me. Um, so it was owned by Second Cup for a year, and then uh, I had a four-year non-compete. So I, could, I had sold a little stock during the auction, not much, but a little, I mean during the offering. And so we had a little money to live on. Uh, the company went on for a few years. It got reacquired. Second Cup sold it in about a year to Diedrich in California, Diedrich Coffee. Diedrich tried to offer it, tried to operate it in Portland as Diedrich Coffee People. Um, sales went down, and eventually it was bought out by Green Mountain out of Vermont, who makes Keurig uh, coffee makers. And now Keurig, it is. And Keurig uh, has been acquired by JAB Holdings in Luxembourg, the same company that owns Pete's and Stumptown and Einstein Bagel, 
Krispy Kreme, Intelligentsia Coffee, and so on, long list, uh, and they own coffee people. There is, there is no coffee people stores anywhere. We are using the name Jim and Patty's Coffee People because J.A.B. Holdings did not renew the trademark on this, or the service mark, rather, for the words coffee people as a description for coffee houses. We don't use the name coffee people to sell coffee beans because that's still a trademark of J.A.B. Holdings. Too much information. Yeah. yeah. It is a little. We're so we're still we're still going through that. But our name is Jim and Patty's and people see our logo and think coffee people. So I've always enjoyed the coffee people logo and I wanted to hear the story behind that. It's kind of a funny story. First of all, the two people on there, my Patty and myself, our pictures were taken five years apart. So it's not it's not you know, it's not fair. Patty's was taken five years before me, so naturally she looks young and good and I'm old. But uh, So we put our picture on that logo when I still own none of the company. Back when we had sold it to Coffee Bean International without asking, uh, we just made up this logo with our picture on it and hung it in the stores. And our owners didn't say anything. Really? And I, I figured, I looked at it as job security. You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. There's no logo quite like this, the Coffee People logo. Well, from time to time, the thought crosses our mind that the logo is ugly or old fashioned or whatever it is. In fact, sometime in the 90s, we did a focus group study of Coffee People asking the public if we should change the logo. I stood, Patty and I stood behind uh, the glass, a one-way mirror, in a focus group room and listened to the discussion about what we should do. It cracked me up. But people, people didn't believe those people were real. The people in the focus group said, I think that's just like a made-up picture that's supposed to look funky and of some kind of weird-looking people. In fact, one person said, it's, the people in that logo are so ugly, they couldn't be real. <laughs> so... Um, Patty and I went out and said goodbye to everybody as they left. <laughs> From time to time, we think about refreshing what the What a mean thing to say. Well, it was, it was funny. It was cute. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's, how long has that logo been out there? Um, since the beginning? It's since somewhere in the mid-'80s. So. In the mid-'80s. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I remember yeah. uh, having a coffee mug with that logo on it. I've just instantly always been... Always loved that logo. Yeah. It's a big part of the identity of, of coffee people. Well, the, the, you know, it is old-fashioned. I mean, the, the font in there is Cooper Black. Cooper Black is the same font you'd see on the Mary Tyler Moore show in 1974. And it, it reflects when we started. You know, it's, it was fashionable then, and we haven't changed it. We think about changing it every now and then, but I don't know. People, people recognize it. Please don't. Please no. don't love it. Uh, now, we are at the at the the, sh- the store in Fremont. Now, I'm looking at this wall of photos yeah. chronicling the uh, you know some of the time span that you've been open. Um, this is you. This is you yeah. back. When is this? 
You look very that, happy. Oh, I am. That's, look at that uh, hair. I love, yeah. Look at that I beautiful head of hair. That was taken at our Westover store called Coffee Man in probably 77 or 6. Yeah, I was uh, young and uh, I loved coffee. I mean, I really loved coffee and still do. And I, it was a paradise. You know, the, the business was different in those days. We didn't sell drinks at all. It wasn't about drinks. It was about coffee beans. And we had actually had 30 varieties of coffee beans in our bins. Uh, and uh, we had to sell all our coffee beans every week. I mean, it was, it was a matter of, it's like fish. I mean, you had, you know, yeah, it has to be fresh. And it has to be taste good. So we sold 30 varieties, and we sold them all every week. And when people would come into the store, they would ask me, they would tell me what I, they they were coming in to, to get coffee beans, and they wanted to know which ones to get, and I would ask them a few qualifying questions, like what occasion is this coffee going to be for? Well, it's going to be for dinner tomorrow night. Well, what are you having for dinner? Well, we're going to have let's see, we're going to have chicken and vegetables and what kind of wine? And they would tell me I would and I would recommend a blend. I would say well, I think it's going to be half Colombia and like a quarter Kenya, and and let's put a little Sumatra. I would make up a recipe for them. And then when they came back, we would talk about how they liked it. In other words, everybody, everybody was on a sort of a, a program of, of, uh, of, a, of almost like a prescription. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed talking to people about their coffee and, and helping them find their, their favorite cup. Even to this day, and yeah. I've heard Patty's very involved in the business too. Yeah, and she's at this store quite a bit. Is yes. that correct? That's right. Yeah, Patty is very involved. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If anything, more involved than I am. What is the prison food? Prison food is um, it's supposed to be a joke. <laughs> what it what it meant was originally when I had the sign up, it said um, day old. It was basically a little bit stale like you might get if you were a prisoner in prison. That's the idea. Now, I've had a complaint about that a few times. Yeah. Um, I got an email about it today complaining about the words prison food and feeling that that was somehow exploitative or irreverent or somehow, you know, not... It offended some people. That's... Over the years, that's happened maybe two to three times altogether and so we haven't changed it we don't mean it in any way to be offensive it's supposed to be funny it is funny it is funny <laughs> but um uh, lots of pictures of your wife on the wall too yes uh, yeah coming on 50 years um any yeah. tips on how to keep a marriage i mean you guys have worked together too yeah. so and that's made it harder if anything well i've heard that yeah i think it has and i think I think Patty, if she were here, would would tell you it's it's made it harder. Um, Patty's a wonderful person, first of all. Uh, I I mean I really I, everybody's biased, I guess. I obviously I really think Patty is just an outstandingly generous, sweet person and patient. And we're very different in many ways, in most ways. Um, and that's helped us to build this company. No, I'm not very patient, no. But Patty is, and she 
I mean, the combination of who we are has has been has made it a lot easier to run the company. Patty, in the all the growing big coffee people years up until when we got too big, was our human resources person. She was in charge of training and hiring and every, all kinds of the people. She was our people person in terms of our people who work with us. Uh, and that's still her strength. I mean, she's, that's what she does. She's, she writes our newsletter. She works in training with our people. She's our HR person still, I guess. And I'm more the person who thinks about, uh, I'm more passionate about maybe about coffee, uh, about the breakfast menu, about the product, I guess. And, and about an overall sense of personality that the store has a, a sort of a, a way of approaching the world, I guess. What, what, what is the personality of, what would you say, of coffee people? Well, that's a very, that's a, that's a Deep. question. Yeah, that's, well, it's a question that's hard to put into words. As I, as I think I said before, our, it's really been critically important to us to be accepting of just anyone, really, who comes to the store, that they feel comfortable in here. There are still people, believe it or not, who feel intimidated by the third wave of coffee. And some stores still have a, uh, I don't know if there's such a word as coffee Nazi, but there's, there are stores that have this sort of, I would say, elitist point of view. And we have this job of having what we think is the very best coffee in town, but without any elitism to it. No back talk, right. And, and that's been important. Also, I think our store has felt... I wanted our store to feel a little bit unpredictable. Uh, that it was a, like a living thing. That you, didn't ex- you couldn't exactly nail down who we are. But uh, sometimes it gets to be less and less that way as you go on and as you build many stores. You know, I know I've watched... It's been interesting to watch Starbucks for me, obviously. I knew the original people at Starbucks really well. And I mean original, not Howard Schultz, but the people who founded Starbucks about the time Coffee People was founded. And in fact, there was a time in Seattle when we were we bought their coffee. I mean, there was a time here in Portland when we bought their coffee from Seattle. We were the only place in the country outside of Seattle where you could get coffee roasted by Starbucks. This would have been about 77 or so. Um, they were not roasting dark roast at the time. They were roasting very light roasts. And we needed a dark roast, and I asked them to roast a dark roast for us, and they they did. And uh, now, you know, their coffee has come, become predominantly dark. They have 25,000 stores now. And, and we have three, and we're opening a store uh, in about a month in Happy Valley. Uh, it's under construction right now. So that'll be our fourth store. We're really excited about it. So we're kind of catching up, but it's slow. You're a startup. <laughs> yeah, we are a startup again, yeah. That's true. I heard the, I heard the Starbucks CEO say the other day that they were going to have 35,000 stores within five years. Worldwide or just in the U.S.? Worldwide. And most of, them are, most of the new stores are in China. Yeah. 
See, to me, it feels like it becomes no longer that local spot. It's It literally is just, it's like McDonald's is like anything yeah. else. It's, yeah. I can go to any Starbucks, and I'm like, wait, which Starbucks am I at? Yeah. And, well, and that's their goal, you know, yeah. is, is that that conformity and uniformity. And it's it's not easy. <laughs> I'm sure it's not easy for them to do that. But that's their strength, I guess. You know, when I think of... Uh Jim and Patty's Coffee People, I think of Huber's, I think of the Hollywood Theater, I think of Old Portland. Mm. Uh, you're a part of the culture here, you're a part of the fabric of the city. Do you feel that? Do you feel that from your customers? Do you feel that, that sense of warmth that folks have with yeah. you and your business? Yeah, I do, I do get uh, comments from people about what being at Coffee People has meant to them over the years. And uh, it's incredibly gratifying because we've been part of a lot of people's lives. In fact, we've had a lot of folks work for us over the years. Uh, when you think, when I left Coffee People, we had 750 employees. Um, for many people, it's their first job, you know, and they come to us and they learn how to work. But the, as you say, I mean, the thing that really, also the thing that really matters is is what happens with these people out here at the tables and the people who have uh, I hear stories about people meeting other people here that have become significant in their lives or you know different events that have happened over the years this is the proverbial third place that people talk about that's not home and not work it's a neutral place where you can come and you can you know you can stay as long as you want and you can meet people and they can come and they can go and I mean I when I went to college at Oregon as a creative writing major, I was there for seven years. And I spent much of the time at the New World Coffee House on campus there in Eugene uh, instead of going to class. I still managed some, somehow to graduate, but, uh, yeah. Is that, a, is that a photo from your college years, or was that a little bit later with the tie-dye shirt? That's, that was at a company picnic, and the guy standing next to me um, was my first... Employer. <laughs> it's a great T-shirt, by the way. Yeah, he was. Uh, yeah, the guy standing next to me, his name is Jeff. In fact, I saw him at the Global Coffee Expo last last weekend. He's uh, he lives in Maui and grows coffee. <laughs> but he was he was uh, one of the real owners of Coffee People during those years that I was not, and he was also my first employer in the world in the world of coffee in Eugene. Patty and I started at Saturday Market in Eugene. In 73 and 74, selling coffee that Jeff had roasted. And uh, that's, how we, that's how we came to love the coffee business. By, by using his beans? Yeah, and, and working in his stores in Eugene and selling his beans at Saturday Market. We just, yeah, that's how we started. Well, there are pictures there of our various kids, and there's a picture up there with black and white of Patty and I before it. <clears throat> before you we married um, there's a picture of a boy with a white hat in the middle and that was our son Henry and Henry died in 2006 he worked in our store so we had four Henry died in 2006 um, when he died the neighborhood here came came we we actually had our store was actually a block up before we moved here and the neighborhood we closed for a day and put up a sign saying we were closed you know, because of, of this reason. And the neighborhood came around us. The neighborhood, I, I came back to the store and it was 
the store is filled with flowers all over the front of the store and yeah and one of the one of our neighbors we lived in a little apartment out in Tigard um, and <clears throat> having gone broke we lived in a little apartment and our one of our neighbors came and said if you will give us the key to your store we will run it for as long our, just, the, just people who lived around here they would bake coffee cake they would come in and make coffee and they would run the store for us just so we could stay home and they would do the best they could yeah, that, that's Portland for you. Yeah. I mean, if that doesn't typify what Portland's all about, I don't know what else does. One of our kids is a, a district manager, uh, goes to, around to stores and tries to make sure that everything is, you know, I, uh, everything is running correctly. And they and do a good job. You, yeah, they do a good you're job. There. Yeah, you're they're, still the boss, though. They're still learning. <laughs> <laughs> another, another one of our children is a, a baker in our bakery. And another oh, one fantastic. is... Sort of a logistics Next generation, person. yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And they're all very good at what they do. Those are really cute, those patty cakes. The, the, yeah. the little uh, label on them is so cute. Yeah, people have been uh, calling her patty. My mother called her patty cake when we were dating. So, <laughs> you know. My mother took one look at her and said, she's the girl for you. <laughs> so who took so, that photo of you before you married? You're a teenager there? You've got a full beard. Oh, I'm not. I think, you know, I, I look like a teenager, but I, w- I was in probably about 30, and that was taken on our, we had a store uh, in northwest Portland where, oh, gosh, <laughs> I think what you see, no, I don't know where that was taken, but I guess there are toys behind there. We had a store, shoot, we had a store in Newport, Oregon. Between the time we sold Coffee Man and the time we started Coffee People, I was down on the Oregon coast. Um, I had a, I was in a in Newport about 1980. It was hard times. Um, we went broke there too. Uh, and in fact, our fourth child was born at home and in, New- in Newport. And I had a little store in a, in a shopping center in Newport where I was trying to sell coffee beans and kites and candy and toys and mug everything I could think of to try to stay in business and I was trading cleaning the shopping center for my rent and and I still couldn't I still could not make it we could not make it so at the age of 33 I had to take my four kids and my wife and go back home and live with my parents um and I I think it was just nine months it was just nine months after that that we started coffee people uh, by borrowing that three thousand dollars, what keeps that resiliency? What keeps that drive going? What keeps you from just saying like, okay, I'm going to go be in the, a cog in the wheel somewhere, and, and, and a cog in the machine somewhere? What keeps you saying like, I'm, I'm going to go back at it, no matter how many times something happens, I'll always get back up and move forward. I mean, because yeah, you, you've hit some uh, low points yeah, and you keep. I coming started back. a few companies and had them go under. I've hit some hard times, and yeah. hearing your story really makes me feel. Um, almost empowered because like me and my wife met when we were teenagers and we've been married for almost 10 years now I'm 30 yeah. and so we're coming up on 10 years of marriage yeah. and so to hear that kind of story really makes me feel empowered because it's like look there's somebody out there and that's kind of the drive I want to have is like it doesn't matter how many times 
you have to get back up. It's it's getting back up. So what makes you continue to get back up? Well, I wish I had a glamorous answer for that because I really, I mean, I've always said that it's just because I don't know any better. I mean, seriously. I remember I was an English major. So how are you going to get a job as an English major? I mean, I, I, did, teach high, I did teach English in high school one, for one year. And as, lo and behold, I didn't like it. I thought I would be great. I wasn't great. I was horrible. And that's when I came back and said, well, I think I'll start selling coffee again. That was after Saturday market that I taught school. And I came back and, and, and got in this business. Um, I really love the business. I really love being with customers. I love, you heard, you know, I can talk a blue streak. So, I mean, people come and see me and we drink coffee together and they go home and somebody else comes and sees me. It's a wonderful way to, to make a living. And I always, I mean, I had a barbecue restaurant I didn't tell you about. I had a barbecue restaurant I spent a lot of money on. All the money from coffee people went to the barbecue restaurant during my non-compete period. I spent about $700,000 on the barbecue business, and it failed. It, it failed after 9-11. People quit coming out entirely. I'd still like to do the barbecue business. Patty says I can do it when I'm 90. I ha- when I'm 90, I'm going to start this damn barbecue business again, and this time I'm going to do it right. You know, and I keep, every time I, I don't quite make it in business or I do something, I have this list in my head. You know, i got to go back, and this time I know. I'll know what to do, and I'll do it right. And I think that's the reason. I've always heard the saying, like, you have to pay for education one way or another. It's either going to be real life or it's going to be in college. It's going to be somebody's telling you something from a book, or you're like, okay, I just dropped way too much money on this. Mm -hmm. My sister's, like, up to $50,000 in debt, and she doesn't have her bachelor's, but Mm -hmm. she still has to pay all of her student loans off. If you're going to have that mad debt, why not have been like, well, I rolled the dice, what happened? Now I know, don't roll the dice in the corner. Let's go over here and roll the right. dice this way. Right, exactly. Yeah, That's right. So, Jim, what would you like to say to uh, Portlanders listening out there? Any closing thoughts, words for us? It's been a, one- it's a wonderful place. I- Patty and I moved to Dallas for a little while, and I just sat at- and looked at uh, a picture of the Pioneer Square with the rain drizzling down in it, and I remembered what the air smelled like, and I just deeply, achingly missed Portland. I love its independence. I love the, I love the independence of the people who work here, or who who live here. Um, I I have always tried to have coffee people has been some a point of of a slight um, self kidding about Portland, a kind of mockery, if you will. But I don't, that goes too far. You know, I think we like to laugh at ourselves. We, ha- we, we have a stereotype of who we are, and I think that's a, you know, when I saw the TV show Portlandia, I thought they were hitting the nail on the head pretty well. And we've sort of been, tried to be the Portlandia, I guess, of, of this coffeehouse scene. That's a great way to end it. Thank you so much, Jim, and thank, thank you. you, Brad Pulliam. And thank you for listening to the Weekly Portland Podcast. We're on every week. Have a great one. Patty and I have been married since 1969. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, we're getting up close to the 50-year 50, 50 mark, yeah. I started dating Patty again 
uh, when she was 15 and I was 17, and we've kind of been together ever since. So far, so good. (laughs) 